Welcome to Hustle Skirt Podcast, the show that brings you economic equity for everyone, every day with your host, Deborah Gould. I am Deborah Washington Gould, President and CEO of Deborah Gould & Associate Inc., a New Orleans-based management consulting and performance management company founded in 1996. Hustle Skirt is a podcast by the author, speaker, business owner, Deborah Gould. The concept focuses on the entrepreneur mindset, community leaders, and career professionals. We are women every day to overcome obstacles, pursue opportunities, and succeed in various settings, whether it's in your organization, whether it's as a business owner, nonprofit, and for me, for-profit, y'all. The podcast will promote confidence, accountability, resilience, humility, and decisiveness to entrepreneurs, listeners, through my guest interviews, and you will enjoy their enthusiasm and their excitement that they will bring each time you will receive a new guest on the Hustle Skirt. So y'all, boot up, get ready, because I am real excited to introduce to you my guest today, Barbara Crane Major. But also understand the objective of Hustle Skirt is to empower both men and women to speak power, embrace change in your vision, mission, and to get fired up about your passion. So that is the assignment of each of my guests and primarily to have fun and bring some good energy. Yes. But with that being said, you see this awesome woman you see on this <laughs> Zoom? She is my shero. I am just so excited about having you here today, today, Barbara. But I know a lot about you. But I want my <laughs> listening audience to really, really get to know this amazing woman. I call her my big sister. So Barbara Crane Major is a community organizer, social worker, and trainer with over 40 years experience in many local, national, and international community development efforts. Ms. Major is a native New Orleanian and Franklinton, Louisiana, something that I learned new. Her work is extensive and includes everything everything from nurturing leadership development efforts within local communities to assisting institutions in developing strategies to deinstitutionalize racism. Without any further ado, for those that may know Barbara Crane Major in the New Orleans area, regional or national, I introduce to many that know her and those who will get to know her today. Please help me welcome Barbara Crane Major. Hello, Barbara. Hello, Deborah. How are you? you? I'm doing great. (laughs) And so are you, back at you. I wanna just say to you, Barbara, you just have no idea 
the privilege to have this awesome woman. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to ask Barbara some specific question. I want you all to put your seatbelt on because she's an absolute <laughs> cut up, but the sister brings wisdom. She knows a lot. And so with that being said, Barbara, I have crafted some specific questions that are general, specific, and fun. But you cool. know, most importantly, over these next nine to 11 minutes, I want you to say whatever you want to say to this audience, because we're not leaving here until folks know <laughs> about your, your new book release, how to buy that book, and is there a website that we can meet you and get to know you more intimately as this brilliant woman that I call, she's in my tribe, y'all. So my first question to my listeners, to Barbara is, tell me about yourself. Ah, about myself. Uh, well, you do know a lot about me. What I usually start my, uh, my conversations with people when I travel is because you are my, my little sister. You're going to always be my little sister. You call me Barbara Crane Major. But every now and then, Deborah, I have to let people know they got to put a handle on my name. I'm an elder from the South, Black woman. You call me Ms. Barbara, Ms. Major, unless I give you permission. I also tell folks, you don't, you know, I don't let people control my tone, you know, policing my tone and my language. It's like, nah, I got to say what I got to say. And I'm going to say it in a way where you're going to feel what I say. You know, it's not just words out there in the air. I'm going to be respectful, but I, I get offended when people are offended at the way I may say something rather than being offended at the crap that's going down in the way that they deal with us as Black people. If they were as offended at that as much as they would when I say shit or damn, then I can I can deal with you. But other than that, don't, you know, keep it moving because I, I, I ain't giving no energy. I always tell folk two places I ain't going is my nephew would say back and forth. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to put it there. We're going to see what we can do. We're going to have some fun. But we're trying to go somewhere, people. And, and, and we don't have time to give energy to, to nothing. That's what it's Can't give energy to nothing. So and, and I am so honored that you asked me to be a part of this conversation. Because you, I'm honored that you're in my life, sister, because you can point your finger at me. But see, when I see a Black woman who's been in business as long as you have, and I understand this racist system, you are a phenomenal, amazing woman. Because most of us, they wear down. You didn't let them weigh you down. And I've seen them come at you. And I've seen them deny you access to go through the door. But I know one thing about you, you're going to keep knocking on that door. And what I also know about you, Tabakul, is like, you'll come get me and say, we're going to kick this sucker in. Because it's like, I've been agonizing the professional. It's over. So I, I have the utmost appreciation and respect for you and sisters like you who know, first of all, they're not going to make it easy for us. So you know that they, they're going to throw all them obstacles in the way. But what you also know is that God give you a purpose. You understand? And you don't let nobody else come in and intervene and redirect your purpose. So I, I, I admire you and I appreciate you and sisters like you. Because I love my people. They don't always behave like I might want them to. But I ain't lying. I love my people. The flavor they bring, the spirit they bring, the love. And that's what we don't see a lot of. 
but I know it's there and I see it. And sometimes we don't see the love in our people because we're not looking for it. But there's a lot of love, a lot of love with among and between our people. And I, I draw on that. That gives me energy. Ditto, ditto, ditto to everything you've shared, Barbara. And that's why when I'm in the same space with you, I am so empowered. There has never been a time when we share the same space that I feel disempowered. You always embrace me. You value me. You appreciate me. And I grow every time we get to be together. So, and I'm still, I, I still have on the back burner our lunch date. That's right. You know, I'm doing it. I, I told you I wanted some butter beans and you were saying, girl, no, go ahead, go, go eat that salad. And so I said, <laughs> I still have that on my mind. So we're going to, we're going to do a dookie chase or something. As oh, some absolutely. Point. <laughs> I love dookies. Yeah. But I told my, I told y'all when you listen to this recording, you're going to absolutely love Barbara. And so I'm glad to have the space where she said, I, it's okay for Deborah to call her Barbara Crane Major. I just love saying that. But, <laughs> but I, you know, we should honor when we are the baby boomers one. Y'all, you know, we the baby boomers one now, right, Barbara? That's right. <laughs> and uh, so, no, no, let me back up. You're now a veteran. I just discovered that I'm a baby boomer one. <laughs> <laughs> That's 1940, right. 1946 to 1954. So maybe you're still in that window. I'm still in that window. I just, so, just made it. <laughs> so we're going to keep it going because I have some um, one more general question, but uh, three or four specifics. So we're going to keep it going. So why did you decide to write your own book? So I want you to say something about your new book that I know is going to for me, my vision is I wanted to be on the bestseller list because uh, the story had to be told on the New York bestseller list. Yeah, Would you do I, us the honor? Do you have the book that you can hold it up and yeah, show? Yeah, I do. I do. It's okay. Deconstructing racism. Um, a, uh, a continued path. Um, a path toward uh, lasting change. And I, it's the book is myself and a colleague of mine who is actually an, an elder white Lutheran pastor. And he has spent basically his life working, trying to deal with the white church on the issue of racism. But this brother has a history in the community of organizing as well. He's a theologian. And so he applies the analysis and understanding of racism in terms of the church. I am not a theologian. I believe in a God, but I'm not a theologian. So the part that I write in the book, we split the book up. Half of the book is about society, what racism is and how it functions. Because one of my concerns is that people really don't know what racism is. They still stuck in, you know, it's calling each other names. Everybody can be a race. No, we need to understand where the whole myth of race even come from. Because that has us, you know, twisted that we believe that that's real. Not that we can just kick it out, but the idea of race is the most racist idea. Like they say, the mother bad, bad ideas, and this nation was founded on. But when I born, I said, I, okay, I hadn't really given it a lot of thought. But after writing the book, I realized, and in the process of writing the book, we needed to have information that was accessible for everybody. There are lots of great scholars, giants who are writing about racism. However, 
they seem to be writing to other scholars. I'm one that's, I'm always, I'm for real. I want to talk to people. Yeah, I don't want folk that need to have to have a dictionary, have a conversation with me about racism or anything else. So it's for, it's for anybody, those who may have PhD in understanding critical race theory, and it's for the brother who work on the back of the garbage truck. They can pick it up and read and go like, oh, that's what that is. Yeah, baby, that's what that is. So the book really explains and looks at the history. And like I tell folks, I would love for it to be on the bestseller list when people like DeSantis who can have outlawing anything about black history from Florida. They say, his is the number one book uh, on the New York Times bestseller list. I said, you know what? But that kind of evil always make it to number one. You know what I'm saying? So my yes, thing is one day people going to say, no, we want to read the truth and they'll pick it up and read it. And, and I say to folk, if I got anything in here, it's a lie. Go find it and prove it. Because Joe and I, having done this work for over 40 years, it's like, and being able to lay it out where folk can understand what racism, yeah, racism is about systems and institutions. It's about power. It's about this country was created to serve people called white exclusively. That's what this is about. Not about pointing fingers at my white siblings. They didn't create it, but they benefited from it and have a responsibility to help transform it. You know what I'm saying? So there's no innocent bystanders because I often tell my white siblings, if you think undoing racism is about saving me, you confused because your soul up for grabs too. You've been made a part of this construct. So you need to be walking with me. However, I'm really clear. I do believe in it. I, I got white siblings I love like my own. I tell them, but you can't leave this movement. When it comes to an anti-racist movement, it must be led by not just people of color, black people, African-American, because nobody, Nobody else in this country other than indigenous people have the distorted relationship with this nation like people, African-American folks, folk of African descent and indigenous people who I would be remiss to deny the role that that they played and, and the role that the stealing of their land played in this construct in this country. So hopefully well, people- Barbara, would you be so kind to hold that book up again yeah. and tell- our listening audience, where can they get a copy of this book? Is it a, a link or a website it's, that you can uh, share? It, Any bookstores? It, yeah, a, a lot of the bookstores I know have it. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Fortress Press. You can get it at book outlets that folk normally go and shop for their book outlets. I, I've just been on tour. I know there are stores in New York, bookstores in New York. I don't know what other bookstores have. Um, I've had book signings um, so far in New York, New Jersey. I'm headed to Seattle next week. and But anywhere they want to, and they can do, if you go to Amazon, you can see in Fortress Press as well, um, you can see a small write-up on the book, what it's about, how we divide it. Do, do, your, do your website, or I'll put it in the chat, or I'll make sure when I put this all together on Hustle Square Podcast, Upcoming places. I heard you say you're going to be in Seattle and you was just recently in New York. And I know a lot of folks that I'm going to share about this interview in the local area. I just want to make sure that, yeah, we want to go to Amazon, but if there's any African-American bookstores, yeah. if there are any major bookstores, let's help. Hopefully, Absolutely. wherever you wherever you are, we want... 
folks buying exactly. 50 copies so you can autograph in real time. Exactly. So I, and I'll, I'll make sure I'll add that. I'm sorry, Deborah. I will make sure I'm going to have another book signing here in New Orleans. I had, I had several here. Um, if the black bookstores, particularly for me, or smaller bookstores, because mm -hmm. I like small, don't have it, what I would ask people to do is to support them and ask them to order it for them. You Very know what I'm good. saying? Because there's no way I'm going to be able to go to all the bookstores. So would you put it? And for my audience uh, on the Deconstructing on Racism book, I've had the opportunity to actually sit through one of Miss Major program where she actually was in the book and what you hear in this interview, I've spent a full day with this amazing woman breaking it all down. Because when we talk about racism, the system that impact us in our education, banking, and in terms of hospitalization, all of this is discussed right. through the system of things. So we're going to keep it going, Barbara. So thank you very much for addressing uh, my audience in terms of what inspired you to write your book. So now we're going to shift a little bit to some specific questions. So tell me about the first moment you Barbara stood up for yourself. Oh my God, that was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> a long time ago. I grew up in, in the Ninth Ward, uh, not in the Desire um, Housing Development, but near the Desire. So frame it for our audience who could be globally or nationally. Yeah, it is uh, the Desire Housing Development was one of the largest, what they used to call projects in the country. It was one of the first ones created for Black folk, because folk don't understand that when housing, when public housing was built, it was initially built for white people. And then they they built in the same kind of segregated way. Okay, y'all want one, we'll do one for you. I didn't grow up in the, but I grew up in what used to be called actually the Louisa Project. And it's real interesting, the more I've done this work and research, my dad was a World War II veteran. And what folk didn't, I didn't know, we all grew up around, you know, around Carver, all that area over there. That Well, people who don't know, it's, it's a, was huge black high school. You know how huge it was? My graduating class in 1967, there were 600, I think, and 24 graduates. Anyway, that land was built on a, a waste dump. All of that land, not probably call it two, but I know for a fact, everything, there was a school there, there, there how people are still fighting to get reimbursed for not being told that their, their houses were built on toxic, on a toxic waste dump. And I realized that everybody in my block, I found it in this, everybody, all the men in my block, Mr. Alexander, everybody, Mr. Waters, they were all veterans. And I've come to find out that they bought those houses with their VA loan. But there's, there's a caveat to that. Black soldiers from World War II could not buy, use their VA loan to buy a house in a neighborhood that was traditionally segregated. So the only place that them brothers were able to buy those houses was on that low land. Why y'all living the night? Well, well, hell, that was the only place my daddy could figure he could achieve the American dream. Okay. So I grew up there. And so my first, my first coming to grip. So how, how did it help you in the moment to stand up for yourself? When I found out, it's like you know stuff is wrong, but you don't, you don't know how to respond to it. Well, I grew up in Desire. There were amazing people. One amazing person was Johnny Jackson Jr. I Johnny remember was a, the late yeah, Johnny Jackson. Was, yeah, he was an amazing man. 
and he was doing organizing. And in fact, included, I was young and I became, my mom and my dad became part of an organization called Cluid and the People that I'm listening, you know, and I'm learning. And I will never forget my friend, Maddie Pope, who was, she lived in Desire, grew up in Desire. And so we started going to meetings and finding out and there was a grocery store and it was the Villery grocery store and it stank all the time, but I, the people were nice. <laughs> we used to go to Villery grocery store, right? And we protested, we wanted to clean up the grocery store. And it was really interesting because my mom had gone out of town to visit her sisters or whatever in the country. And she come back, she drove past them outside with a black cross protesting. I can never forget that. My mom looked over there, hung out the window, you don't get your ass <laughs> So I may have come to my own, but my own was put in check, quit. And, but it was a process of my mom understanding. And I actually thought my mom never understood because I had become radicalized, right? With the Southern University in New Orleans. I think one of the most radicalizing place because of all the amazing people, um, you know, in Daisha Jukali, um, um, a lot of these brothers who have fought Nam and come back. But, and now, you know, stuff. Bob, as we're doing this interview and I asked you that interesting question, it, you just brought back memories for me, how <laughs> closely connected we are. Yes. Because I'm learning we both, you're class of 1967, I'm class of 1972, George Washington Carver Senior High School. I was one of those like Maddie and Johnny Jackson who lived in the Desire Housing Project. And so yes. even though your father was blessed to be a veteran to build right. in that surrounding area, we share a lot of history together. Yes. You see, that's why I love you so much, Boo. I love you. <laughs> I feel you. So, so we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it going. And so. you know what, Deborah? If one Go of ahead. the things Go is ahead. it was no different. You lived in a project, Maddie lived, I lived over on Cluin Street, but we were tight, we were sisters, we didn't have all these. I remember boundaries. We were just I remember together. Villery too. I remember the store Villery. And the Bynum Drugstore, Black on. Yes, indeed. Bynum Drugstore, that's right. Those two businesses I do recall as a child. Yes. So I want to ask you another question around something specific. What, what will you never compromise on with your business or with your career as a community activist? What will you never compromise as a community activist? I absolutely love that question because one of the principles I believe in is that when you make a decision to live your life a certain way, you need to know what those things are that you will not compromise on. My main one is that I will not compromise my people. I will not accept anything for me personally, and I pray all the time, it ain't like I'm perfect, that I never violate that. I would never, because there have been opportunities, Deborah, where I could have been in positions. You know what I'm saying? I could have had certain kinds of contracts, all that. But I was like, and not that I have nothing. God has been very good to me. I tell folk I've never been hungry or homeless, except after Katrina, <laughs> okay? But it's like, I would never sell out my people for something for me. I. And, and like I say, I ain't perfect. I'm a work under construction like everybody else. But I say, nah, like they say, everybody, everybody have their price. You know what I'm saying? But I pray that I don't have a price when it comes to that. You know what I'm saying? I, certain things I can't do. 
And I'm be honest. It's like you, let, let your let your conscience be your Kyle. Guys, that's exactly have right. To go I, about I can't who you do stand that. For. I can't do that. And I ain't gonna steal. <laughs> it's like you know what I'm saying. I'm not gonna steal. Um, so one of that to me is like I would never accept anything that would violate the trust of my people. Understand. And everything that I know about you as a community organizer, whether it's around minority business owner, business uh, businesses as an advocate, your conversation around equity, you make it real clear that don't be don't get stuck on knowing not knowing the difference between equality and equity. And Absolutely. so so you're real clear. And so you just have a wonderful tribe that people that love on you because you give so uh, much yeah. as a community organizer. One more question, and then we're going to have to close out Hustle Skirt podcast. So this is, a, I hope it's a fun one, Barb. <laughs> at what point did you look at your community organizer uh, abilities and the capacity that you draw on your strength? that it was a success and the work that you do because you are in high, you are in high command. I mean, international on the work that you're doing around racism uh, and what you do locally in the city of new Orleans and throughout the USA, but you know, you're internationally known. So at what point did you look at your community organizer capacity and your ability to give so much of who you are to let, don't get it twisted y'all but you you know you you put it out there yeah i uh you know i i've been blessed to see people who've been in my life come into their own part of the responsibility of those that that are that are in leadership positions. And I had to know the difference when I was an organizer, when I was a leader, the people will let you know, you know, I said, Barb, we want you to organize, Barb, we need you to speak, blah, blah. They will tell you when your role is in organizing, organizing and when it's a leader. What I've seen, and, and you kind of said it, see, it's like, I didn't empower you. I don't empower, Deborah, you, get a, you got a sense of your own power. See, that's important because when I'm not there no more, you're not going to let anybody deal with you any kind of way. You never did. I see young people. There's a young woman that I work with out of one of these housing projects. She is head of over equity, all the issue of equity with all the infrastructure money in this country. You hear me? And this was a little girl out the project. And, I, and she, she, she said, you... She might have said, you gave me, no, I didn't give you, baby. I create the space for you to realize how great you are. That's my role. That's my job. Help my people understand their greatness. Mm -hmm. I got to facilitate the ability of my young people to dream bigger than where they are. That, when I figured out that's what it was. So for me, I see a lot of young people that I work with, and I see not so young people that I work with. Got a sense of their own power, baby. Stand up now and speak truth to power and speak truth to each other, because we got to do that too. So for me, that's the greatest gift. When I when I see when I see a Deborah Goose say, no, nah, I ain't gonna go down like this. I've done my job. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's what I do. Or I see that's that, what I'm talking about. And for all the years that I've had the opportunity to know you. Your influence has influenced myself 
but you give me, I, I walk in with my power, I leave with my power, but your influence have an impact, Barbara, when you're in the room. And so I take in the good and say, I like this. And how can I refine how I show up to the universe? And so it's always come from truth and strength. And so um, that's what I admire about you as a community uh, organizer, that you embrace all ethnicity. You are very open, but you keep it real. You say you speak your truth and you let me take ownership of my feelings and thoughts. If, 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 if for some reason I take it the wrong way, I gotta stand in it. And I've learned through your influence that I make those things okay and not compromise. I have a voice. I have a seat at this table and I'm gonna do it my way and not be a second class to somebody that's else right. the way you would do it. And that's yeah. what that's what I observe when I see you. So with that being said, we're gonna close out our segment today on Hustle Skirt Podcasts. It has been a wonderful privilege to have Barbara Crane Major, the author of Deconstructing Racism. I want you all to pay close attention. Please pick up a copy of this book. I hope you have had a chance as listeners to get closer to knowing Barbara until she's in your major cities. Wherever you hear Barbara Crane Major, you go to that bookstore. I don't care how long the line is. You get that copy in advance and just say, I'm here, Miss Barbara, just to get your <laughs> autograph. So we're going to close out today by saying, when you tune in and join me on Hustle Skirt Podcast, my wish, hope, desire, and pray you find useful information, practical tips, and techniques, and receive creative support that you can use immediately. I hope that Barbara inspired you that way today. Make sure to visit our website at www.persistencelane.com where you can listen on and subscribe to the show in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, App, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Player FM, Podchaser, and Podbean app. So you will never miss this show. This show here on Barbara Crane Major, y'all don't miss this one. Play it over and over and over. While you are at it, if you found value in this particular show today with my guest, Barbara Crane Major, we would appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you would simply tell a friend about the show that would help you. Be sure to tune in Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time for our next episode. You're listening to the Hustle Skirt Podcast, the show that brings you equity for everyone, every day, with your host, Deborah Gould. See y'all. Be See real you. to yourself. Thank Much you. Love. Thank uh, you, Miss Crane. Major. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Yeah.